Hello and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 41. I'm Michelle Hawk and I'm here with my dear sister, Catherine Bird. Together we are the Shaman Sisters and it is our great joy to bring this podcast to you. We, this podcast came out of our conversations. Kat and I have known each other for a few years now. We're both practitioners in the field and we've always had amazing talks about what does it mean to do this work? What is the essence of shamanism? What is the core of a spiritual practice? And many other layers therein. We eventually decided why not make these conversations public? So hence, Shaman Sister Sessions was born. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited. I was just commenting to Kat. I am so impressed with us that this is episode 41. We've been really consistent having a podcast episode almost every single week for just under a year now. So whew, go us. And thank you viewers and listeners for your continued support. We really appreciate it. And uh, we love hearing feedback and notes. Today we are speaking specifically about guidance and mentorship. This is something that we've alluded to in several different episodes, uh, but we have yet to talk about it as its own entity. Guidance and mentorship is one of the most integral parts of developing a spiritual practice, especially for those who are practitioners in the field. So there's a lot to delve into today. Kat, how are you doing? Amazing. I have like bone broth. I have like this uh, tea and I have this other tea. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to be lucky if I make it through the episode because I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> if you need to duck out, we'll understand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm amazing. I am uh, having a, a very busy day today and this week and um, teaching a couple of classes this week and uh, I, you know, I, I took that time off in August and then September was sort of like, okay, ramping back up. And now October uh, really feels like, uh, you know, high, high intensity, uh, lots of stuff going on, coming out of a ceremony uh, weekend and two more ceremony, big ones, really big ceremony weekends this month. So um, it's definitely the time I took off is now, uh, paying off in uh, being able to uh, be present for everything that's that's happening in my life right now. So it's amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm so glad. I know you were a little bit more challenging to reach during that time off, but I think it did you well. Absolutely. You're coming back stronger, better than ever. And yeah, we should, and we took a couple episodes off um, partially for reasons on my end too. So I just moved. This is my first, this is our first episode that I am shooting from my new house. This is my new healing room. And you can't see how amazing it is in here, but it's wonderful. And, and I'm sort of in a lull myself. So um, it feels important, important to talk about this a little bit as we get into guidance and mentorship, because some of somehow, and sometimes the best guidance we can offer ourselves is to slow things down. And I have been less available myself over the last few weeks between my, um, one of my dearest friends got married. I was in the wedding and I was making myself available to her to, uh, to help that process. And then I had to pack all my stuff and then I moved and then I was settling into my new place and I'm still just now coming out of that. So it's been a little bit of a step away phase for myself as well. And I've been noticing, um, 
the people, my clients have been needing me a little bit less during this time, for which I'm really, really grateful. I'm so excited. It's like, oh no, I'm good. I'm like, okay, cool. That's perfect timing because I'm a little bit less available right now. Yeah. And I found that, um, to consistently be the case that uh, we worry about taking time off or needing space for ourselves because we have people that are depending on us being available. Mm -hmm. And I have found pretty consistently that the times when I really needed to recharge or take space or take some time off, that somehow it is just perfect for everybody that I'm working with. I, you know, I have people who are like, oh my gosh, yeah, I actually want to go do this thing. Or, um, yeah, I, I don't want to meet this week because of this or whatever those, whatever those things are. So for sure, uh, it is definitely part of the process as we become mentors and guides that we consistently are checking in with ourselves and seeing where we're at and taking care of ourselves and allowing that our clients and the people that we support uh, will be fine, that they're, they're, they're great. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it always works out really well. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of layers to get into today. Guidance and mentorship. We'll be speaking about this from both sides as guides and mentors holding space and facilitating for other people, but also being on the receiving end. Because even though Kat and I are both really established practitioners, you can absolutely bet that we still have people that we go to, including each other, regularly for continued support. Uh, we'll also be speaking a little bit about what is the role of guidance and mentorship, especially in the information age in the modern era. So let's get started. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just start with the basics of what this is. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about guidance and mentorship? Um, and, and like you're, you're saying, Michelle, is that we, we are in this information age. We're in a just fascinating time to be alive where if you are interested in a spiritual practice or, um, some sort of modality, you can basically go online, you can order a bunch of books, you can watch a bunch of videos, you can actually have pretty much zero contact with a practitioner, um, you know, like face to face and gain an enormous amount of uh, information and knowledge and begin a practice and start working on something and go quite in depth into, uh, into whatever it is that you're interested in without the old way of how things used to be done where if you know you would either be singled out from the tribe as someone who had uh, an ability or you know was kind of like should be moving in that direction and you would go and study and usually live with um, with the master of that community or even be sent away to maybe someplace very far away from the time that you were very young as a child and to, you know, either, you know, be going into kind of a, a priest or priestesshood or uh, living with a shaman or whatever those uh, different lineages were, you know, mm -hmm. entering into a monastery. And you would live your life that way. And that is how you would live your life under the tutelage of you know one or many uh, people who had been living their life that way since they were children and who had done the same through throughout generations 
And while there is still some of that in uh, places around the world, of course, obviously, uh, we in Western society aren't usually on that particular path as much, not from this like childhood experience. And some of us do, uh, you know, maybe go and, and live uh, in an ashram or study with, kind of have a guru and, and spend years doing that work. But for most of us, we are doing a lot of self-study and self-inquiry and um, exploring some of our gifts on our own. Mm-hmm. There's, I think, and I want to extrapolate this out a little bit. So we're speaking primarily focusing on the realm of spiritual practice and these particular healing modalities. And yet this is the case with any craft or any body of knowledge. Think for example, in, uh, you know, in our modern era, we have the uh, apprenticeship and like journeymanship and trade school. So somebody can go say to learn to be an electrician. So they'll go learn, go to school to learn to be an electrician and apprentice with an electrician and follow them around and watch how they do stuff. And, and yet it's interesting to me because I, I believe that's still kind of the common practice way for that to be done. I, I don't imagine that there are a ton of self-taught electricians out there. And, and yet in our Western society in particular, we have hist- over the course of uh, development of the way that the knowledge is shared, we've moved away from oral tradition. We've moved away. And so some of these hallmarks of apprenticeship and mentorship over human history, oral tradition, knowledge passed along through stories, um, in-person training and apprenticeship. So following somebody around to watch what they do and basically, you know, being their lackey for, you know, who knows how many years, right, as you're learning to do the things and then you start to work your way into earning a place to practice with them, etc. And uh, and really valuing the wisdom of elders. I think that's something that we in Western society have moved away from significantly as well. So some of, you know, three of these really big key points in traditional means of passing down knowledge um and uh, i feel like there's another oh and also um a new one in our modern culture of valuing independence all of these things so moving into you can learn anything by reading and through the magic of the internet these days valuing oh yeah nobody taught me i taught myself i don't need anybody you know this kind of independence thing moving away from valuing the wisdom of our elders and uh and all of those combine to create an environment that is really not necessarily super supportive of a community network as far as building the spiritual practice goes and yet people are end up being so hungry for that i don't know how many people have asked me you know do you hold reiki circles do you do facilitate this kind of community event do you do this kind of community event and um and my answer to that generally and yet these are people who actively do not want to apprentice with me or do not want to mentor with me but they're just looking for like gathering space And I say, well, I have that for my students and I have that for the people who have been working with me really consistently, but I don't have that just for general kinds of people. I do have other resources, but there's that hunger for the community support and the interpersonal connection that it may or may not being met. 
Yeah, exactly. And um, <clears throat> like, like we can see this um, everywhere. And, and we also, you know, one thing that we're also in witness of is the uh, kind of backlash of, uh, you know, the guru system. Uh, that, you know, we've, we've seen and witnessed so many people who are the teachers and they have these wisdoms and, um, you know, they lead these big groups and, and people follow them and get very, uh, devoted to them. And then you find out that they're not in an integrity in different areas of their life. They're taking advantage of people or sex and money and all of these things that kind of come up. And this has hurt so many people's hearts toward, you know, like not trusting, um, someone to, you know, teach them and to lead them. And, uh, while of course we should always have a cautious eye toward, you know, who we're allowing to lead us, it also is, um, sort of causing a bit of a fracturing of our our desire to want to join a group and to, to join a teacher and to be devoted to a particular lineage or, or teaching. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of wounding there for sure. Let's talk a little bit. I'm kind of curious about um, from the place of receiving Kat, who are your, or what are some of your mentor relationships? Um, I've had quite a few mentor relationships over the years, some that I still continue um, and some that I have allowed to fade away. And, uh, you know, probably my first main mentorship uh, relationship was with my uh, Mayaya, who uh, is the woman who taught me um, all of the a lot of the physical movement meditation practices that I utilized and I studied with her quite intensely for uh, years and, and still go back and um, she's now just fully traveling and, and living most of the time in Israel. But going back and studying with her whenever I've had the opportunity to and, um, you know, utilizing her work in my work and uh, devoted myself enough to it to, you know, receive, um, you know, her blessing to do so and uh, to be as a priestess practitioner in her, in her work. And um, really without that relationship, I know when I was having my awakening, I felt very lost, very alone. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle what was happening. Um, you know, really those practices and that relationship and the wisdoms that I was taught through, through this practice and, um, you know, working through those systems of the Western esoteric, uh, esoteria, um, it, it was completely a game changer for me as far as giving me a base and something solid that I could hold on to. And, um, you know, so that's been one of my main mentorship uh, experiences, which was an amazing experience, you know, very loving relationship and kind and supportive and, um, you know, she'd be hard on me too. And, uh, you know, that things 
the practices needed to be learned and done a certain way and the knowledge needed to be learned and memorized and uh, you know there were certain things that were very kind of strict this is how it's done this is the way that it's done and so that was amazing and very helpful for me because I didn't have a solid practice at that point I didn't have something that was that was going to give me the container that I really needed in order to advance in my skills so that was my that was my first what was what was like your first main spiritual mentorship probably my dog my, <laughs> my dog growing up and so this is important to know, you know yes we can talk about our embodied human mentors and yet we have many more than that we have animal mentors we have uh non or entities non-physical entity mentors you know so in the form of spirit guides and uh and ascended masters etc who who show up to work with us but the first embodied mentor who and i've spoken about her my family dog ginger i've spoken about her a couple of times but she is the one who pulled healing energy out of me when i was 12 years old and it just seemed like a good idea so i did it and she would tell me when she'd had enough so she was helping me cultivate my sensitivity i uh, i was working on her really consistently you know so from the time i was about 12 to she passed i was 20 i think i was 20 years old 19 or 20. yeah so i was working on her for a good six or seven years there seven or eight years uh cultivating my sensitivity she's the one who led me to begin my reiki practice so my dog was my first embodied mentor but in the human realm i uh, i have I think stepped away from some of my earliest mentorship roles of, of some of these embodied humans who were there at the beginning of my journey. Uh, there, you know, there comes a time when sometimes our paths part ways and that's totally okay. We graduate from certain mentorship relationships and that's a totally appropriate part of the process. The mentor role that I think I, with the, whom I still have the longest or the longest standing mentorship role is my shaman mentor. I met her when, actually through her cat. So again, a very, you know, animal inspired uh, relationship. Met her in 2008 or 2009, I think. So this is a um, eight or nine year relationship that still continues. And it's really interesting because our mentorship relationship was really, witnessing each other and supporting each other in our continued growth. I received a lot of teaching from her, but it wasn't ever really in the form of her teaching me practices. It was more in the form of her creating space for me to crack myself open. And she's the one who um, I went to see her for a session. And as we're getting ready for our session, she tunes in, she says, oh, today's your shamanic initiation. So she's the one who held the space for me to have that shamanic initiation. And, uh, and we're still in touch. I actually, through this recent move, I live much more near to her now than I ever have. So I anticipate seeing more of her now that we're just in closer physical proximity. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I have had 
some other mentors, you know, I think that probably Taylor, who I still have a very close relationship with and a healing relationship. She texted me this morning and is like, I just learned this new thing. Like, let's, you know, we're going to have, you know, let's book a, a session for you. Cause uh, you know, she's, she's always uh, learning and growing and uh, discovering something new. And uh, just as far as, um, you know, energetic healing, um, assessment, uh, a lot of, of knowledge on, on structure and, um, just, a, you know, a, a lot of, of, um, wisdom that, that she has, has been a, a a dear, a mentor. And, and that's been just a beautiful relationship for me and, and very loving and very, um, very supportive where I was able to, uh, go in as a new practitioner in a modality and, um, and work side by side with her where we would do duo sessions and we would work on the same person at the same time and being able to go through the assessment process and the working process and the post giving practices and everything that was involved in that. Um, and that was, that was an extensive training that I did. And, and it wasn't a training that I was like, okay, I'm paying you to do this training. Um, we were working together and I was able to just work side by side with her. And it was a very, um, it, it was a very supportive experience and something that I am so grateful for being able to experience. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really changed my, my work in a really deep way. Yeah. For those of you who missed it, we actually had Taylor on as a guest on our show. I think it was back in April, maybe May. Yeah. So it was several months ago. So please tune back in. That was a really great episode. We talked about uh, structural anomalies in the body and it was wonderful to speak with her. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit of our history about some of our mentor relationships. There are others, of course, and um, I want to talk about what is the process of, you know, as long as we're on the receiving end of mentorship, what are some considerations that we should take into account when entering a new re mentor relationship or when seeking out someone to study with? Yeah, I think it's very important to, um, you know, we're all, we're all sensitive. So following that inner intuition, the inner guidance and in the gut of what you're being led to. I've always been kind of a, okay, yes, sort of a person. And, um, you know, to keep following that yes and see where it leads. And sometimes it leads exactly where you're supposed to be. And, um, and also hearing that inner no, when the no is there, just going, okay, well, even though maybe this person has the modality that I'm, I'm seeking. Um, maybe they live close by, maybe other people are saying they're great, but when I go to meet with them or, you know, have a consultation or whatever that thing is, or go get a session with them, I'm, there's something inside of me that's saying no, just to really listen to that, listen to your inner guidance on, on choosing someone. Usually I know when people come to me, they're like, I just have this huge yes. I don't even know. I don't know what you do. I don't know how, what this is going to be. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm just a yes. Mm -hmm. So follow that. Yes. 
Absolutely. I think that's hugely important. I will also add that any good mentor will be totally open to having a conversation with you before trying to start you on a program or a, um, especially for a mentorship type thing. I know, uh, you know, I offer consultations and actually kind of require consultations for people to work with me. Kat, you do too. And uh, and anyone who is trying to say, oh no, you know, I'm just going to sign you into this program and like file you, you know, shuffle you into whatever and actively unwilling to have a conversation with you to start a mentorship relationship, you probably don't want to work with that person. No, because they're not going to have the time and space for you that you're maybe looking for. Um, you know, for me, I always do consultations. I don't, I don't ever work with anybody that I haven't had at least one deep conversation with and entering into a mentorship program usually we've already done sessions together we've done something they've come and done maybe one of my smaller programs uh where it's more like teaching or uh you know so that i know them in some kind of way mm -hmm. absolutely that because that's a a really important piece of alchemy think about when you're working with a mentor you are receiving through their filter this is the other thing is whatever knowledge we're receiving whether it's in the form of a book or a podcast or a, a webinar or if it's in person you're actually hearing stories from somebody you're interacting with them one-on-one -on -one, you are receiving information through their filter and I firmly believe you want to know what their filter is before you sign up to say, okay, yes, I want to be receiving from you. So please do your research. I'm a huge fan of, uh, you know, kind of scoping people out before you decide if you want to work with them. I'm super picky when I pick the practitioners I want to work with. I will like, you know, read, you know, read their bios or whatever. And sometimes it's funny. I don't need to like my, my new favorite body worker. I didn't need to read a thing about her. I just saw her picture. I was like, yes, you. You're the one. And of course it ended up being absolutely amazing because it was that, fuck yes. But okay. it's also totally appropriate to do your research. Yeah. Um, I believe that if you are seeking a mentor that, that it is important that they are, they, you know, sometimes you don't really know what, where they're at on this, but um, they really should be doing their own work. And, you know, we are all works in progress. We all have work that we're doing. And um, so for them to have uh, people that are supporting them, uh, further study that they're doing, that they're, they seem like they're growing. Like you want to work with somebody who also is invested in their own personal development and growth, right? Um, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I have a coach, I have a therapist, I have shamans, I have, um, you know, teachers, uh, Qigong masters, I have all of these people that I'm working with on a regular basis that I am, so that I'm I'm always expanding, I'm always growing, I'm always learning, so that I can then bring that into the containers where I'm working with people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I had someone tell me something really interesting a couple of months ago. This was a potential client who actually didn't end up working with me, but our consultation was one of the most interesting and super juicy consultations I think I've ever had. And one of the things that this person shared with me was, uh, he said, I'm afraid I will outgrow you. And that's why they've had a lot of resistance to working with a 
practitioner before and working with a coach and this person was saying oh yeah i'll work with someone for a few sessions and then i'll just like blow beyond them because i'm so fast in my evolutionary process because i learn things really quickly I, and you know this person had absolutely no qualms saying i'm super intelligent i learn things like like that and and they said i'm afraid i'll outgrow you and i gently substituted in the word graduate I said, well, how about, you know, graduate instead? He, and, you know, they said, okay, that feels much better. But I was also thinking, I don't think I spelled it out in as many words, but thinking to myself, do you think I'm not also growing and also continuing to be leaps and bounds uh, moving forward? And I sure as heck hope that this person, you know, thinking to, my, thinking to myself, like, oh, yeah, if you outgrew me in a few sessions, like, I would have a big problem. But... <laughs> Right. Because again, it, it would mean that I'm not doing my work, but yeah. And you know, okay, great. You know, yeah. <laughs> and also that's fine. And I, I have absolutely had people transition out of working with me because they graduated from working with me and they no longer needed or required whatever it was that I had to offer. And that's totally fine. Also had people take breaks from working with me. So say, for example, someone comes and studies Reiki with me and then they go study something else and then they come back and do something else with me and then they go to somebody else and, and there's sort of a continuing relationship, but it's not a constant thing. And that's okay too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to remember what the question was that we were answering here. Uh, it was, oh, how do, you, how do you find, how do you look for? Um, you know, I think that it's important to... Um, you know, we often, when we're in these mentorship experiences, we are like, okay, this is what the person said. That's it. Like that's, that's it. That's the only way that it can be done. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's helpful when we're looking at our mentors to, um, allow that like sometimes that's true and this is the way that things should be done and also sometimes it's not always the truth so uh some people are extremely dogmatic and very rigid and how they work and how things are done and some people are more playful and expansive and flowing and so to find somebody who sort of fits what you need what your rhythm is maybe um you know you're really uh you know troubled by dogmatic things and uh it just pisses you off well you maybe don't want to go work with somebody who's going to piss you off all the time but maybe you actually need some more structure in your life and you need a little bit more of a solid strong container where this and then this and then this happens then maybe that would be a good person for you to go and work with for a time in order to to cultivate those aspects of yourself that maybe you're missing and um in the same maybe in the in the other direction if you're looking for somebody who has a little bit more of a wild uh you know chaos magic experience in themselves then know that that's what you're calling in the the person that you're mentoring with you're calling that energy into your life um, you know, for me, it's like I have light warrior mentorship and I have warrior healer lover activation training. Like when you come to work with me, there's a certain amount of warriorship, of, of presence, of physical embodiment of who you are in the world that I bring my, that energy to who I am. I'm, 
I'm not, um, if, if you're looking for, you know, working on something that's just super soft and, and <laughs> you know, you might not really resonate with some of my work, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The, I want to speak a little bit about mentorship in a certain lineage as well. That's where some of that dogma might come into play. Now, that might depend on what exactly you're looking to study or receive mentorship in. But I know, for example, let's take Reiki as an example, because that's something I'm very well versed in. I've been teaching Reiki since 2010, so for uh, about seven years now. And when my first Reiki master was in the Reiki Alliance, which means, you know, that's kind of the governing body of Reiki, if there is a governing body of, of Reiki. And that she was old school. She was wonderful. And she's a very excellent teacher, but also really rigid. And she taught Reiki the way that it was designed to be taught by the original, um, you know, when it originally came to the United States with Hawaii Takata. Now, even that, there are some big, you know, kind of little red flags for me on, um, on this Eastern tradition coming from, coming to the Western world with a woman, Hawaii Takata, who was known for being a storyteller and known for using the practices of oral tradition to tailor her story of Reiki to the audience that she was sharing it with. So even this woman who brought it to the West was known for kind of making changes and elaborating as she went. And every time she told it, it was a slightly different story. Now the Reiki Alliance then kind of standardized it and they said, this is the way that Reiki is. And I have a problem with that. I'm one of those people who, you know, you throw dogma in my face and I say, I'm out. And so that was something that I had to sit with when I started teaching Reiki is how do I want to teach Reiki? Do I teach Reiki in alignment with the lineage that I first began? Do I teach Reiki in, uh, in alignment with the lineage that my mother was taught? She had a different Reiki master and she and I teach together. Do I teach Reiki from the, the way that I do Reiki that looks completely different? Do I teach Reiki for intuitively? And that's something that has been a really continually evolving process. I've written, I wanna say like six or seven different Reiki manuals over the course of my teaching, just because I, I'll, my practice continues to change. So I'll rewrite the manual that I'm teaching from because I want what I am offering to my students to reflect what is my understanding of this practice. So I don't teach in the, the Reiki Alliance way because I'm not in alignment with that methodology. Think about that whenever you're looking into a specific lineage or tradition or modality, especially what is the, the way in which it's being taught? Is it how it was originally intended? And is that something that you actually want to continue? Is that original intention actually in alignment with the direction that we're moving as a modern society? Yeah. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes these traditional bodies of knowledge are no longer compatible with the world that we live in. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I want to, uh, there's, there's just a, quite a few things I want to, to mention. Um, but I, I want to make sure that we're really kind of full on the topic of, of, of how do you, like, how do you find, how do you, how do you make sure someone is who you want to work with? And then, um, you know, some of the things maybe that might come up in 
um, in your experience being mentored. Um, I know that I have had, <clears throat> I've, I've had, sorry. Are we, are we still on how to choose a mentor? Or are we moving? Uh, to yeah. Do you have more how to choose a mentor? Yeah. I have one more thing. Okay. Some people have really good marketing, but they're not actually <laughs> great mentors. <laughs> That's very, very, very true. Um, there is, especially in this coaching uh, market, um, there are a lot of people who come from a marketing and sales background. They ha are really good at sales pages. Um, they're really good at copywriting. And their spiritual practice has only been happening for a couple of years. They just have had their spiritual awakening very recently. They haven't really been studying things for very long. And uh, you can be fooled into working with somebody who actually isn't any more advanced than you are. Mm -hmm. So they may or may not be the right person to, for you to work with. You know, I'm not saying like maybe they are the right mentor for you. However, there are, and so I'm speaking as someone from the other end of the spectrum who I've, I have no background in marketing. Everything that I have learned about marketing, I've sort of learned on the fly as I'm doing my spiritual practice. And it's been a point of a little bit of personal frustration for me about like, why does this brand newbie practitioner have this amazingly beautiful website? Yeah. You know, um, and yeah, that's, uh, keep that in mind that good marketing does not equal good mentorship. Just as, you know, someone with a really shitty website, they're not necessarily any better of a mentor either. But please, you know, keep in mind, read beyond the copy and actually look at what materials has this person produced. That's another, I think, a really good way to get to know somebody's certain flavor. What do they have for videos? What do they have for articles? What do they have out there in the world that they have produced so you can get a tone of who they are? And looking beyond the Instagram post, this is another thing. Anybody can write a good Instagram post. Anybody can, you know, again, that's the marketing thing. But what is the meat of what they're producing? And I will say also, really, most of the quality coaches and healers and people that I know who are doing this work, they have a ton of free content. That's the other thing. There's a lot of that out there. And so you can get a... You know, even if you are, say, for example, you're not ready to invest $3,000 a month for a year working with somebody, you know, so I know that's what some people are charging and that's, you know, maybe a little bit much for you, but you still want to gain from their wisdom, sign up for their newsletter, start reading their blog pages, look at all their videos, look at all their, you know, maybe they've written a book, maybe they have a, a very low cost program that you still get to tune into all this stuff. There are plenty of ways to get a really good idea of who somebody is that again, you can decide then see through the marketing and look at who they are and what can they offer. Good, Michelle. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I just want to discuss a little bit. What, what's that? You have great marketing and you're a great mentor. <laughs> Sometimes they go together. <laughs> so, um, you know, we also want to work with people who are real. I think for me, I want to work with people who are real, who aren't so kind of hidden behind their spirituality that you can't actually connect with them and relate to them. Um, and you know, one of the things I want to speak to is, and I, I've had this experience and, and I've, I've, um, 
spoken to a lot of people who've had this experience is that there are times when you will have a mentor who is not in full alignment with maybe the integrity or the kindness or the compassion or these these aspects that maybe you're looking for like maybe they they're kind of um perpetuating almost a dysfunctional experience inside of their community that they're developing um and i've had this experience lots of people have had this experience and sometimes we have to pull apart the teachings from the teacher and the wisdom from the uh from the experience that we're having with that person and sometimes it is not worth it and you got to get out of there because it's dysfunctional and it's harming and sometimes uh, you can study with someone and be mentored by them and accept their flaws and their ways of being that are maybe abrasive or harsh and just be okay with that and have your boundaries and your discernment and learn from that process of maybe how you would or would not uh, choose to teach and mentor in the future from the experience that you're having, but not to, you know, as they say, throw the baby out with the bathwater and uh, and not take in some of the wisdom that you could have access to from from a, a certain teacher. Yeah. Great. So, what? Where were you going to go before I brought up the marketing? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kind of like what things that might occur in which this is one, right? Somebody might not be in full alignment in every way, but their teaching is amazing. And, you know, then you get to make that decision and not necessarily take that lineage or their knowledge or their wisdom as less than because of maybe who they are as a person who isn't as amazing as you would like them to be. We often put uh, people who are mentors and teachers on a pedestal and sort of see them as otherworldly instead of the human people that they are, that they have faults, they have problems, they have addictions, they have uh, attitude problems, they have all kinds of things. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they are any less powerful, effective, or um, good at the teaching, the what they're giving you. So being very clear on what it is that you're looking for, what you're getting. Are you trying to turn this person into your mother or your father? Are you trying to get from them some sort of love and recognition that maybe isn't appropriate for this kind of relationship and you're just kind of bashing yourself in, across the face, uh, trying to get something from someone that they can't give you that. They can give you information, they can give you wisdom, they can give you tools, but maybe they're not going to show up for you in the way that you're looking for. And that's a signal for you to really work on yourself and start looking at things for yourself in a different kind of way and maybe look in another place to get some assistance with that. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, something else, uh, something that came up with a someone that I was mentoring this last year uh, that she realized uh, she was building out her program and uh, she she hit this block with uh, what she was charging. And she realized that she had this thing that <clears throat> she couldn't charge more than I was charging. And uh, so 
this is also something, and I've seen this a lot, where you go and you learn something, you learn a modality, you learn something from someone, and they charge this amount per session. They charge this amount per workshop. They charge this for the retreat. And then you feel like, well, this is my teacher, so I could never charge more than what they're charging. Mm -hmm. And we can then put ourselves in sort of a, a you know, a box as to, you know, what something is worth and what our time is worth. And, um, you know, that can lead us into a place of, you know, lack and not allowing ourselves to be fully fleshed out and, and making as much money as we could. Uh, and we can hold ourselves back in that regard because, you know, you don't necessarily have to own and hold the money things that someone else is owning and holding. You can actually rise above that and, you know, sort of graduate in a certain kind of way and graduate beyond what, um, what someone else is, is doing. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Great. I want to talk a little bit about what are, um, some of, oh, from the offering mentorship side of things, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the, um, and the things that come up when we're in a mentor role? Kat, you mentioned from the mentee role, the idea of looking to a mentor to fill some hole perhaps, or to receive something that, um, that is outside of the mentor mentee relationship that exists on the mentor side too. We become, you know, I care deeply about the people that I work with. I want to help them. I want to support them. And I have to work at, okay, what is my boundary in this particular case? I am not this person's confidant. I am not this person, you know, of whatever. I am not this person's um, sister. I am not this person's, um, whatever the case may be, I am their mentor, I am their teacher. And then holding that boundary ultimately puts me in a better position to serve their continued growth. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm mirroring or reflecting, not filling holes. This is super important. And uh, as a mentor, as a guide for someone else, you know, that's the thing. We have to continuously be doing our own work because sneaky little things will enter in where we're, um, you know, like, okay, the, the boundaries get muddy. People are start to project onto you, um, their issues with their family, with their parents. They start to project onto you issues that they've had with past mentors. They will project all kinds of things upon you. And so, uh, having a very solid sense of self, uh, being able to recognize when things really aren't about you, um, being able to recognize when maybe there is a need to call someone on their shit and the way that they're behaving or, or what they're doing and being okay with that, doing it with kindness and compassion, of course, but being okay with, with the process of saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing from you, this is my experience, and this is, you know, not okay. Like we have transference is um, something that where we're, we're transferring our, our feelings, maybe for our mother onto the person that we're seeing uh, as a mentor. And then all kinds of, of stuff starts to come up under that where, you know, maybe someone's 
seeking your approval seeking or causing trouble in a program because they're looking for attention. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these things can come up when you're mentoring someone. Yeah. We can also see ourselves in our clients too. And that's a, another thing where, and I've had this happen before. I'll be working with somebody and I think to myself like, Oh, you're me 10 years ago, you know, and, but really they're not, they're not me. They're a completely different person. And yes, they're having that, uh, that awakening. They're having this process. There may be many similarities. I've also seen people fall into the trap of doing their own healing work through their clients. This is something I had to have a conversation with a friend of mine about because I saw what she was doing with her, um, this one person she was working in with in particular, I saw she was attracting all sorts of people who were coming to her for this certain kind of healing. And I noticed, I was like, wow, I think, you know, that's really interesting that you have all these people coming to you to heal this wound that you yourself are working on. Mm -hmm. And it's, and sometimes that's kind of inevitable, honestly, as we attract the people to us that are uh, in alignment with whatever we're working on ourselves. But there's a line that is, you know, the border between healthy witnessing and understanding and gaining reflection versus we're attracting people to us because we haven't fixed up our own shit. And we're trying to heal ourselves by healing and fixing other people. Mm -hmm. And that's where it becomes unhealthy and needing to take a step back, maybe not work with that kind of client for a while until you can be fully grounded in your own self and your own healing for around whatever issue that is. So that next time someone comes to you with that, you're coming from a place of non-triggerment, you know, not being triggered to not being reactive and not having the desire to fix them because you see yourself in them. Mm -hmm. I think it's important as mentors that we uh, enact our ability to say no that uh, I know that I was, I was thinking about this this morning, um, about how at one point, you know, in our practice for me, uh, you know, I just said yes to everybody, right? If somebody wanted to work with me, I was like, okay, great, come and work with me. And that didn't always work out to the best for either one of us in, in a certain kind of way. Um, and so at this point, like I say no to people. I, uh, you know, have consultations with people and then say, you know, I'm not, I don't think that I'm actually the best fit for this, um, for this with you. Or, you know, I know that you really want to do this program, but this isn't going to fit you the best. Let's do something different. And uh, we have to be able to have that ability to say no if, if we can't, say no to people when we feel it, we will leave ourselves having experiences where we end up getting drained and, um, you know, maybe allowing somebody into a group program where they kind of are just the chaos of the program and are kind of sucking the life out of, out of everybody. And I've, I've, um, you know, uh, worked, I haven't really had this as a problem, but I have worked with, uh, coaches who have had this as a problem um, and, uh, you know, kind of counseled them on the fact that they're now having to deal with all of these explosions and experiences that are happening inside of their group or at their retreat because of the one person. And usually they will say, 
you know, when they signed up, I had this feeling, or I just knew that they were going to be trouble, or I, uh, I had this uh, intuition that I should not have signed this person into this program. And uh, so just the same as follow that intuition and gut feeling when you're seeking someone out to mentor you, same as the mentor, like being okay with not making the money. Mm-hmm. The light just got darker in here. <laughs> I saw that my light changed a couple minutes ago too. It got weird. Yeah, but yeah, being and it's fun, you know, that getting to the place where you feel okay saying no to a client or to somebody who's coming to you for work. I remember when I had that pivotal moment where I turned down a client, even though again I was leaving a whole bunch of money on the table. I was like, "We're not the right fit to work together," and it felt amazing. It felt so good. So that's one of my new favorite things to tell people: is it is okay to say no to clients. It is okay to turn people down, and either refer them out to somebody else who you know might be a better fit, a better practitioner or send, steer them into a different offering of yours. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you, maybe they don't belong in your group program, but they would really benefit from some one-on-one deep work. Or maybe say, okay, go work on this for a while, and then let's come back and revisit and see if then you're ready to be a member of this container. Right. I have a lot of people that I have consultations with, and I'm like, okay, go read this book, go do this training, uh, go watch these videos, uh, you know, go do these things and then come back and let's keep talking. I think uh, Zoe's on that. I think Zoe, Zoe and I had this conversation probably over a year ago where she reached out to me and we had a conversation. I said, okay, Zoe, go do this training, go do this thing, go do this thing, go do this. And then let's keep talking. And she did. And here she is uh, over a year later and still, you know, participating and, and um, being a part. But if I had been like, okay, jump into this giant program with me, um, it would have been overwhelming and it would have been um, expensive and it would have maybe not actually served her to instead be going, okay, here's the small steps that I can take. Here's what I'm learning. Here's where I'm growing. Here's what's interesting me and where I'm headed next. Mm -hmm. So love you, Zoe. (laughs) Yay. Yes, it's totally okay to, um, to see, am I the right fit for this person? I had a conversation around this recently with, um, with a friend of mine who is a person of color, and we were speaking about our capacity to hold space for people who have very different frames of reference from what we do and how um, we can be in integrity doing that. And I was relating to her some experiences that I've had work, you know, and asking myself that very question, working with people who have traumas that I have never experienced. And that being one of them, of being a person of color in a society that victimizes people of color, um, others, people having experienced all sorts of trauma, you know, losing a child mm-hmm. and, um, and other sorts of violence and, uh, you know, losing loved ones and it being victims of really horrible, horrible things that I have never personally experienced. And really being an in integrity about asking myself, can I hold the kind of space for that person that they need? Or do they need to be working with somebody else, either who has experienced that trauma, who has done that work, who is 
a different person, just like, even if their work is just as good, um, but they're, they themselves are a different person. They're holding a different container. That's another part of what it takes to be a really good mentor is being constantly in questioning for yourself. Am I the best person to shepherd this human through whatever they're experiencing right now? Can I hold that container? Can I hear this, uh, you know, this trauma without being triggered myself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important. Mm-hmm. I think also as mentors, let's just put this out there because it needs to, I guess it, I guess it needs to be said because obviously we see it all over the place is like, check your fucking integrity. Um, you know, it is damaging to all of us, to the people you work with, to the other people who are guiding people, to the whole world, when you take advantage of people, when you uh, have them sign up for a program and you're not clear on what they're going to get in the program, and then when they when they don't do the program and want to refund, you won't refund their money. When you um, you know don't allow people to have their process and to, you know, stay within your integrity and um, your commitment to, uh, you know, being a mentor, even when someone's not your client anymore, like don't sleep with your clients, don't sleep with your former clients, just don't do it. Uh, why, I don't know why we have to say this, but we have to say it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we really have to pay attention as people who are mentors, who are healers, who are coaches and guides, that if someone is, you know, honestly, when I look at someone and I check in with myself, could that person be my client? Even if they will never be my client, I'm not sleeping with them. Mm-hmm. And in that check-in is like, okay, that's that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if someone is too beautiful and attractive and uh, uh, amazing and incredible that you just can't control your internal urges to hit on them and want to have sex with them, then do not engage with them as a client. Take it off the table be very clear. Don't go into that kind of relationship with them. Just if you like know yourself, know who you are and like continuously be checking in on your integrity around this. Cause it's, it's ridiculous that we have to constantly be hearing about people who are, who are pushing against people's sexual boundaries and doing things that are harming them. Absolutely. Also, you know, these, clients, these people who are coming to you, they are vulnerable. They're revealing deeply personal information. They're working on their deepest wounds. And again, like we were talking about with the transference thing earlier of making the mentor into a father figure or a mother figure or a lover figure of, okay, you're helping me heal this past relationship stuff. And it's bringing up these feelings about um, of my previous partner that then I'm projecting onto you. And so then be aware from that, from the mentor capacity as well, not just about like, okay, be aware that some of that might be happening too. 
And so, um, you know, the, your client may not realize it. They might think, okay, yeah, there is genuine connection attraction here, or it might just be a simple matter of transference. So again, when in, you know, like just don't, just don't, don't cross that line. Don't even push it because even if it's a fuck yes in the moment, like later somebody could look back and say, wait a second, I feel really taken advantage of, and then it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And not only yours, but the entire spiritual community of people who are going to take a hit because you stepped away from your integrity for a second. And we see it constantly. So. It makes me so mad. I'm just like, why <laughs> did you do that? Like, why? <laughs> really? I mean, you know, there's certain reasons why we do it and some interesting reasons um, on uh, the way that power, uh, you know, kind of warps your brain. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what happens biologically, um, you know, through desire to propagate the species uh, between people who are sort of at this place and, and in a power place and then people who are the followers. And so there's reasons why we do it. And that's not an excuse for it to happen. So exactly. <sighs> bring, bring the conversation back around to some of the mentorship and guidance in the digital age and in the age of information. So we've spoken a lot about receiving guidance and mentorship one-on-one. -on -one. Also, we barely scratched the surface with receiving guidance in the non-physical plane. That could, I mean, we've done work on mediumship. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's another episode entirely. Episode, um, I know that we... We, yeah, we, that's a completely different episode. So we're, we'll probably, we'll probably do that episode soon. Yeah. Um, but for yeah, yeah, we're you know, we're talking about you know on this plane. Exactly, the embodied, mostly human uh, mentorship capacity. That uh, you know we began speaking about. Okay, now we live in the age of information. You can go get a book. You can watch webinars. You can listen to podcasts. You can educate yourself on pretty much any darn thing that you want. And what, what is the union of those things? I know there are a lot of coaches and mentors out there offering online programs. There's, I think we can pretty much agree that Kat and I are in the pro column of like receive in-person mentorship. And also it's totally okay to go read the books and listen to the webinars. We do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And yet there is so much richness to be gained from studying with somebody, from seeking support with a, an embodied mentor. That's really, really valuable. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just being in the field of someone who's been in a practice for a long time will up, up level you, it, you will, you will upgrade. And, um, like you, you sometimes don't even really need to, uh, like, you know, learn a bunch of stuff. Maybe you've learned some, you know, things, but just actually being, being with them in proximity is, uh, can create a great shift in your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what is the union of this kind of educate yourself and also receive the one-on-one -on -one mentorship? Well, I think for me, what, you know, I see it as, as the, uh, you know, an ability to have a, a, a very deep union because, you know, I'm not going to have somebody come and live with me. <laughs> I'm not going to have someone, you know, come and uh, be with me for years or months or however long and like live 
right here and follow me around and, and, you know, do everything. So being able to get access to, okay, here's a, here's a group program and here's some teachings. So go work on these teachings and then let's reflect, let's do coaching around those teachings. Oh, and okay, now let's do some healing work about what's coming up. Um, and to have something from me, I believe in a very holistic approach to uh, this process. So I, I believe that this is a beautiful union that we have uh, the ability to work online. You know, I have clients that I see that are all over the world and um, I might never meet them in person. Uh, if I do get to meet them in person, it's amazing and we get to do some uh, different kind of work, but I've worked with a lot of people and had amazing results just working online. And so uh, they might receive a different levels of, of mentorship, whether doing like a group program or working with me one-on-one -on -one where it's a much deeper dig and dive into their personal process. Uh, you know, I, I think take advantage. We can work with people all over the world. So if there's someone that you want to work with, you can usually figure out how to work with them, which is such an amazing blessing and opportunity that we have to really take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Kat, I know you've got your Light Warrior Mentorship starting up in a couple of weeks, right? Yep. We have yeah. Light Warrior Mentorship, which is my group uh, program, my six-month program. And, uh, you know, really working with uh, healers and uh, other coaches and those that are on the path who are, will be doing or even are at this moment doing their own mentorship. And, uh, you know, this is a, just such a deep, profound love for me to be able to do this work with uh, healers and coaches and all those that are, uh, you know, have awakened to their gifts and are bringing them to the world in a really big way. Um, and it's, it's just like so much fun. I love it so much. And, you know, within that, I also have individual mentorship, which include like, this is the best time to join mentorship with me. Um, if as, a, an individual one-on-one -on -one also includes my group programs. So I really add, I'm able to add a ton of value to people as they come to work with me on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And, um, you know, I'm constantly like coming up with new things and I have some amazing programs that are coming up in the works too. So, but light warrior mentorship is where I'm focused right this minute. So if, if you're interested in uh, exploring what uh, deep mentorship means to you, please reach out. I'm taking calls this weekend next to uh, discuss what uh, a mentorship opportunity might look like. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really excited because I'm participating in the Light Warrior Mentorship Program. Yay! So uh, remember at the very beginning we were speaking about how we as practitioners are continually evolving in our own work and continually receiving inputs of new mentorship, new information. I met one of those very potent times in my business and in my personal life. You know, I just moved. I totally upgraded my living situation. I'm totally upgrading all these other aspects in my life. And my business is getting a huge infusion of new energy. So I'm taking this time to... Uh, Kat told me, okay, yeah, I got my program starting. And I said, oh, can I come? Can I be? Pick me. And she said, yeah, of course. So 
I, I'll be in that container if you feel called to join and, uh, and come do some serious up-leveling. Yeah, and so <clears throat> it will be amazing because we have group calls where we get transmissions and uh, individual coaching on every call and there's individual sessions and we're going to have a retreat at the end, which the last retreat was just phenomenal and so much fun and had amazing guest facilitators come in. It was just ridiculous. So mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> what do you have going on, Michelle? I, I just moved. That's it. <laughs> Again, I, I got nothing. I'm, uh, you know, redecorating. I'm doing massive closet purges because, you know, like I said, with all these upgrades, I, I feel totally different. I live in a different house and it's affecting everything. My nutrition is way back on point. My, I, I'm looking at all my stuff that I've had forever and I'm like, wow, I can't, I, duh. so I'm doing all this releasing and my work lo is looking different. I'm like, not creating anything new right now because I'm in this really, I'm in a seed point right now. You know, we talked, we did an episode actually quite a while ago on um, stages of expansion and contraction and the cycles of power. We did um, solar and lunar cycles of power back in June. And I'm at one of those points in my cycle of power where it's like, okay, I've had this really phase kind of of low energy for a while as I've been making a lot of shifts and changes and it feels like things are about to explode. So not quite there yet. I don't have any awesome projects to announce, but I'm overall just really excited and can't wait to keep everybody posted about what's going on. Mm -hmm. well, well, thank you so much for joining today. I know we ran a little bit over. Next week, we will be meeting on Wednesday the 11th, same time, noon, 12 p.m. PST. And uh, on Wednesday, we are very, very excited to welcome a special guest, Andrew Marshall, who is a dear brother of mine, lives here in Portland. He is a fantastic sound healer and uh, jujitsu black belt teacher, professor, and we'll be speaking about embodiment with him. Kat and I have a lot of frame of reference on embodiment practice, and he is embody the practice. That's what he is known for. So we're delighted to welcome special guests next week on Wednesday, not Tuesday. Yay, exciting. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Michelle. This is an amazing episode and, and uh, drop in with you as always and I look forward to seeing you next week if you would like to reach out to us uh, please do you can reach us through lots of different means through our Facebook page shaman sister sessions through email shaman sister sessions at gmail.com feel free to send us a message tell us what's coming up for you what maybe you'd like to uh, hear about on a few future episode if you'd like to work with us work with us together uh, we have an amazing uh, package opportunity to work with both of us or if you're interested in mentorship and uh, from either of us and in, in uh, either group or individual mentorship please reach out and also, uh, our episodes are on YouTube at Shaman Sister Sessions and also on iTunes and Stitcher, which if you would be willing to go and give us a, uh, you know, five-star rating and talk about how amazing we are, that would be extremely helpful for us and uh, we would greatly appreciate it. We do this as a labor of love and devotion and, uh, you know, appreciate your support. So we will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. See you next week on Wednesday.